Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. Thank you, JJ, for that introduction. And I also want to thank all my listeners of Never Ever Give Up Hope. Our show is now in over 50 countries, which is a strong indication that no matter where you are on this planet, people are looking for hope. Stories of other people who have gone through traumatic circumstances, who have become successful even as you know, going through them, and also sharing their coping skills. With me today is Denise Sigolbin. She is a mediator and arbitrator for the Security Exchange Commission, and she also is a blogger who teaches people how to save money, and this to save money on things that we use every day. So we're anxious to hear about that, because I think all of us are interested in saving money. And she also, on her website, when she does find these deals, she she puts them on there and also there are uh, giveaways and other things. And we'll talk about that later in the interview. But initially, I wanted to talk to Denise about her loss that she has had in her life. She has experienced a great deal of loss in that her parents died suddenly and she also lost her younger sister and her best friend. And that's difficult for anyone to cope with. And Denise is going to share her story and also give us some tips and some coping skills on what we can do if we go through any similar experience. Welcome, Denise. Thank you. Well, Denise, let us start with you sharing the story of what happened when you said your parents died suddenly and also any coping skills, anything that you can tell us how, you know, the emotions that you went through and how you handled it. And if you can help any of the listeners who might be or have gone through something similar. Sure. Well, um, pretty much for the, you know, up until before my, my, my father passed away first, I had actually a clear picture of, of what my life was going to be, even as a young child. I I knew, and it sounds weird to say that, but I did. I had a clear path of where, you know, what I wanted to do, where I wanted to go to school. Uh, I wanted to go to NYU for college, did that. I wanted to go to grad school, did that. Wanted to work in the brokerage area, did that. So I had all of these accomplishments. I, I had goals and pretty early on in life, and I didn't have the normal goals that most kids have. I, one of my, I, I say this now in retrospect, one of my goals wasn't to drive. 
uh, which is a, a goal everybody when they turn 18 or 21 <laughs> wants to drive. It wasn't mine. I was too busy studying to try to get into NYU. Um, and um, I was involved in uh, nonprofit organizations, working at my at my high school, being in mentoring programs, anything that I can get involved in that would further my education and my career. That was where my focus was, because that's what my parents believed in education. And they believed in it very, very strongly uh, for both my older sister, my younger sister, myself. It was it was a big thing for for them. And um, so they were very proud of you. Oh, yeah, they were proud. They were proud. I was accomplishing things. I was I was doing what I was on the right path, as they would say, not no trouble, no trouble from Denise. Not, you know, (laughs) I don't remember them getting one phone call from for me at all. Never. So, you know, in going along with that, when I started working, I was uh, part of a nonprofit organization here in New York called the Financial Women's Association. And actually, I started my connection with them uh, being in high school. And I was a mentor in the first high school program that they ever had in New York. And I became one of their first scholarship recipients. And as I went on to NYU, and and now I actually chair that committee, which is a cycle there going forward. But at the time that I was part of the the group, there were a lot of, of women in the group who were talking about the fact that their lifestyles were changing. A lot of their parents were moving back home. And I thought about that myself. I said, oh, you know, I have years ahead, but I want to think about this. What do I want for my parents as they get older? I want to make sure that they are able to be home and taken care of. So I started uh, a savings account to put money aside for whatever they needed as, as they got older. And all of that clear sight and everything changed in December of 2003, um, that week, my dad went to the doctor and got a clean bill of health. Every, every test was run. Everything was done. EKG on all of these things and everything was done and came back with a clean bill of health. That Friday, you know, he woke up. He did his normal routine, which would he would get up first, have his coffee, his toast and, you know, take his medication, vitamins and stuff like that. And then go back and lay down, get up with one of us when my mom got up or with one of us girls. And we talk about the news from the morn from the night before and we have breakfast. And I got up and I left early for work and my younger sister went to wake him up and he didn't wake up. Wow. Uh, and, you know, later they said it was a sudden heart attack, which I couldn't believe um, because he had just had a clean bill of health. Right. How could this possibly happen? You know, this isn't this isn't right. This doesn't work this way. And I remember getting the call and coming home and everybody was there. My older sister had been called from New Jersey and everybody was there. And I walk into my apartment and my mother being the welcoming person, because this is what they do when someone passes away. Um, is, you know, they open their, the homes for people to come in and share Mm -hmm. their stories and grief. And I came in with a head storm of why are all (laughs) these people in my house? My father's actually had not even been removed yet from my Oh my goodness. No wonder you were upset. (laughs) Everybody is there. And I, in a fit of rage, throw everybody out of the apartment. I said, I want everybody out, gone. And the police officers say to me, well, we can't leave until the body's gone. And I say, fine. And I don't cope well. I don't cope well with <laughs> people coming in. I don't cope well with my mother putting on this, my mother and my older sister putting on this, this picture for the next couple of days as I've got to go through 
with my mother now, funeral arrangements and mm-hmm. taking care of everything because that was my role in the household to take care of all of these things, financial and all of that stuff. And now I would have, to, I'm going to have to do this with my mother. And it was, it was just overwhelming. I did not want to be around people. I wanted nobody could say anything that could possibly help me because I couldn't understand it myself. And his doctors couldn't understand it themselves. So I, you know, and the thing for my mom was you needed to get back into normalcy. I wanted to stay home from work for a couple months, take some time off, and she wanted me back at work. Um, And me, you know, thinking my mother knew best, went back to work. But I became very overprotective of my mother and my younger sister. I that was now my role. I took on the role of my dad in a way of being more <laughs> protective. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for, for that, for the year, a year and a half, it was very, it was very tiring. It was very troubling to be, take on that much at a young age, that much responsibility. And I realized that it was towards the, the end, um, towards the beginning of 2005, I, I was, I was very, I was sick. Um, and I went to the doctor. My mom took me to the doctor. I was still the girl whose mom took her to the doctor. And here I am in my thirties. And, you know, they said it was the flu, you know, it was just, my body was run down from everything with my dad and, you know, it was the flu and I needed to rest and, and, and take time. And, um, I just kept going forward. And then March of 2005, History will repeat itself. Uh, my mom went to the doctor, got a clean bill of health again, and we knew all of her doctors. You know, I had been very involved with all of their doctors and medication and everything that they were taking. And as history would have it, the same thing happened to my, my Saturday. The same thing would happen to my mother. She would Was die. Was this of two a years? Birth. Two years later? Uh, about eighteen months. Oh my goodness! Eighteen months later, she would pass away suddenly too of a heart attack. And that was, it was, it was just, how could this possibly be? You know, you don't lose two parents in 18 months like this in the same scenario. Uh, it, it, it can't be possible. And now I was, now I was really not coping well. And after that happened, I was then diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome and so now I was dealing with an autoimmune illness and the doctors uh, assess it to the stress of, of, mm. of all of that and mm-hmm. having to take on those added responsibilities. And looking back now, um, I found that there wasn't a lot of resources for adults going through the grieving process. Mm. Uh, with parents. And I, I, you know, I did a lot of searching. There's a lot of material out there for when children lose their parents or when you lose, you're older and you lose your parents to an illness. But with an illness, you have, you almost have time to prepare right. yourself and there are groups that you can, you can join and there's support systems for you. But there was no support system for adult children who lose their parents suddenly. And there was a gap for that. And I found that I needed I needed something of what how I was going to cope with that. And so I, you know, I sort out, which was a good thing, was uh, therapy for me. Um, and, you know, in talking and I found that, you know, if something like that happens and you feel that you you 
you cannot return to normal right away, then you should not. You should listen to what you need uh, because your grief is about what you need, not about what someone else needs or what you need to show other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I learned, I had to learn that because I had always been the responsible one in the family. You know, I had, to, I was the one everyone turned to. My mother, they would tell, tell my mother and my mother would tell me I needed to help my cousin with this and help this one with this and do that. And I forgot about me. I was so busy trying to put on this this show of everything's normal when it wasn't normal and you have to uh, you have to be able to 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 be able to say to yourself I'm not doing this and it took a very long time for me be, to be able to say forget what's normal I need this and it took me getting sick for me to realize that normalcy was not going to work for me um the Denise that saw a clear path to take to things now did not see uh, any light at the end of the tunnel. She had no idea of what was going to happen. And that was going to be her fork in the road. What was I going to do? Did you come into a depression then? Oh, yes, there was there was depression, but not severe depression, because I was still I was still working. I was still doing things. um, And little by little, those things, it, it helped a little bit. Um, you know, I still had my younger sister to think about. So I didn't have time to really get into a deep depression. I was too busy trying to take now responsibility. I had to play mother to my younger sister. How old was she at the time? She and I were three, were only three years apart. So she was a grown adult and she didn't need a mother figure, but I needed to be that mother. Oh my goodness. I understand. Okay. And I had to learn to let that go too, because, you know, she had, um, she had bounced back quicker than I had, you know, she had been working, she had had her friends and, you know, she had had different ways of coping. She coped by being with her friends and she coped by, you know, embracing work and doing all of that. And I I coped with wanting to be on my own and retrospecting and, and questioning what I did wrong. You know, how could I let this happen with my parents? You know, I was responsible for them. And I had let this happen and I had to work through all of that, that, you know, there wasn't anything I could possibly do. And, you know, little by little, we came out of it together. I I learned to back away uh, that (laughs) I was not her mother. And we learned to do things together as sisters. We we traveled, we we traveled to Europe, went around Europe together I backed off a lot with her going out and staying out and doing her thing. And, you know, we had really gotten into a very good relationship where I had learned to relax. I had learned to, you know, she is responsible. She had the same upbringing I had. I had to I had to believe in that. And then, um, you know, so we had a we had a good couple of years where we had things like that going on. And my sister, my younger sister has a had a stronger personality than I do. I, I'm I'm the middle child and I'm the sensitive one, so I take everything personal. And you know, she is she's the younger one who definitely was more was more resilient. And you know, like I said, we had an I have an older sister and I have older nephews because there is an age difference of 15 years between my older sister and I. So we had my nephews were getting married and having kids, so there were things to look forward to. Uh, and, you know, things were beginning to gel back together in, in some sense of normalcy. Not that it would ever be normal because there isn't, 
you know, a month that goes by that there isn't Mother's Day or my mom's anniversary is actually next week, um, that there isn't griefing that, you know, I, my mom was like my best friend to okay. also, and so was my dad, my dad. And like I said, my dad and I grew up watching sports all the time, discussing these things. My mom was the person I always talked to. My mom knew all of my friends and, you know, when they called the house, they knew my mom. And, and so my mom was very involved in my life, involved in my education, involved when I worked. You know, when I worked, I was working uh, for a consulting firm. I traveled a lot and I did not like it. I hated traveling. I always wanted to be home. And my mom would say, you know, but that's your job. You have to travel until I found a new job where I didn't have to travel and I could spend more time at home nine to five with them. But it was, you know, I had lost two very important pieces of my life here. And um, that wasn't replaceable until, um, and that went on, you know, but we had come to some normalcy and coping through therapy and through beginning to understand what I wanted for myself and what I couldn't put on anybody else. I couldn't take my my insecurities and put it on someone else. That wouldn't work. That would just make matters hard, harder for them and harder for me because they would push me away and I would feel worse. So you have to learn to let go um, a little at a time. And like I said, there isn't much out there about grieving as an adult. And so I would talk to my therapist about that. And, and you know, they would tell you, remember the good memories and, and try to focus on those things and not the things you feel guilty about. And that's something you have to you have to try to remember also is that you're you can't feel guilty about everything. And we were I was coming to that a good place in that and then uh Memorial Day rolls around of of two thousand and twelve and I'm home with my younger sister. We're off and we're probably heading we were going to the park that day actually so my sister was ironing and I had I was I had taken on the cooking in the household now and I went out to the store for 5 minutes and I'm not exaggerating because someone saw me leave leave my apartment and go outside go to the store and come back and I find my younger sister passed out. I have no idea. I just left her 5 minutes ago. I have no idea. So I start CPR, I check her airwaves. I I do anything I can do. I call 911. I I Anything I can do. Uh, I, you know, I just go into full medical gear here of what hmm. to do. And, you know, the the ambulance came, um, got her to the hospital. She was still alive. Apparently, something earlier that day, we had found out that my niece's husband's father had passed away. And he wasn't he wasn't sick at all. And um, so we don't know what happened. We. we we still don't know, but apparently she choked on something. It went all the way down so far that I could not, even though I tried to clear her airway, get it out. They had to use forceps to get oh it out. Oh, my goodness. And so when we, she was still alive when they got to the hospital. and But what had happened was she was breathing so hard on her, her lungs because of where the food had, had, had gone down to that her lungs collapsed and when when one of your organs starts failing the other ones go with it hmm. and there it was my younger sister at 32 was now gone and i had spent my whole life with my younger sister i mean i grew up with my younger mm -hmm. sister and here i was now alone yes i had my older sister but we were never very close and i i just fell apart you know yes my older sister did take care of me during during that time 
but it was just devastating to have to go through all this again and, and having to prepare and wonder what is going on here? What is what is it about me that's making all of this happen? And I, I couldn't I couldn't get through it. I had to I had to take time off from work. I had to I, I totally had to put everything away and and deal with just that loss. And again, a lot of a lot of therapy uh with me and me coping on being alone. Um and a lot of people don't understand being alone in, in, in they want you around people and to to try to you know and I couldn't do that. I needed alone time. And um So how did was, you end up what uh, did the therapist teach you or uh what skills did you learn on your own to the, get you through? The to- you know I had you know, I was lucky enough that I did through this all. I, you know, I did, um, I did have my best friend at the time. She was still, she was still around. And, you know, I had her to talk to because she was like, she was like a sister to me. We were like sisters. I was in her wedding. We, we hung out a lot together and we did stuff. And she was there to listen a lot, which is really great. I found also what, what was difficult was I had a lot of friends that didn't know how to handle the situation you know, it was always me that handled all their situations. But when it came time, how do you how do you deal with someone who's lost their parents and their sister? They didn't know what to do or what to do for me. And that's something, you know, I was angry at that no one mm. no one would no one would help. But they didn't I had to realize that they didn't know how to help because they were the ones who always got the help, never gave the help. And I had to learn to change my relationships and make sure that they're all two-way relationships now and not just one-way relationships that when I need something I need to tell them that you know and so that was something I learned from therapy that all your relationships have to be have to be two ways uh if you're the one always giving when it comes time for a situation they're not going to know how to react and you have to be able to do that um at the time I like I said I was very big into sports and I was writing sports articles for a website and my therapist wanted me to to journal. She thought journaling would help me and it would it would be a great thing. I didn't want to journal. I didn't want to write my feelings down and have it on paper. I, I, I didn't like the idea. But I did like the idea of writing. Um and so I had I sat down and I thought about what would a way, what's a way for Denise, who was this giving person and always ad- handing out advice and doing stuff, can combine writing with uh with therapy and so I tried to come to a middle ground and that was through now that's how I found blogging blogging became my writing session so what were you blogging at on at that time I was blogging basic uh, basically blogging about sports okay uh, you know attending sporting events and and doing that um but it was, was an outlet for you it was my outlet the in-between outlet for me, uh, of journaling and writing just sports articles. That was going to be my outlet. And so that turned into, you know, the writing turned into, you know, people recognizing the writing, uh, companies and brands recognizing the writing, and me just writing about topics that my friends wanted to know about. You know, I had friends who wanted, I was in education, and I had friends who wanted to know about, you know, education in New York. And I started writing about those things and other things that, you know, people asked me questions about. Maybe it was about books and other things. 
And that developed into me writing about brands that people wanted to know uh, about and, and trusted and okay. wanted information about. And so I started to be the liaison for them between them and brands. And I found that in doing that, I was doing what Denise would do. I would write information about these brands. I would talk to the brands. Some of them were household names. Some of them were not household names. But I was providing the readers with, with such content that they were able to trust the product or not trust the product because not all reviews are positive and not all are negative. But they were able to make educational decisions based on that about products, about things that they could get for their children, you know, things to do for themselves, you know. And so it worked out that in helping them, I was helping myself. And that was one of, that was one of the best coping mechanisms that I had was be, finding a way to write for myself to express my feelings, but in a way that was true to me. And blogging is the way that I found that was true to me. And also being able to come to a point where you're you're able to move forward with your life and say, okay, I can I can take a step forward and it. It's not easy taking steps forward. I, I have a lot of backward steps uh, still going on to, to this day, and especially after losing my best friend. But you, you, put, you, put, you don't put pressure on yourself. I've learned that you cannot put pressure on yourself. You cannot expect to be the person that you used to be. Um, nothing has to be crystal clear anymore because I don't have those crystal clear uh, <laughs> pathways anymore. It's all, it's all muddy. And, you know, you, I can, and, you know, I think the hardest part is I don't get to ask my parents what they think of what I'm doing. And that, that's very difficult because I want to ask them, or, do you think this is right? And, or do you think this is wrong? What would they think? And I think um, that's the hardest part is not having that person say, yes, you're doing the right thing or no, you're doing the wrong thing. But you have to believe that if you're true to yourself, then you're going to be able to come out of it. And it's a long process. Like I said, I'm still I'm still going through it. And it's not a process that you need to rush yourself out of. Um, you need to take your time to grieve. And you may grieve at different points in your life. You may grieve at anniversaries. And you're allowed to do that. Give yourself that opportunity to grieve and to also celebrate. Um, whether it's an anniversary and you, you visit the cemetery or you do something that is makes you feel happy about that person will lift some of that weight off of you because you're remembering them in a very positive way. It doesn't have to always be about they're gone, but remembering the positive things. And that has helped. That has helped a lot because um, I found that, you know, after they had passed, I did not want to celebrate holidays. I did not want to celebrate anything. And, you know, everybody would say, but you have to because that's what they would want. And I would say to them, how do you know what they would want? You don't know. But you have to. You have to you have to celebrate life and you have to remember that tomorrow is not a given uh, as as I have been painfully taught. Tomorrow is not a given. So you're given today and what you do with today is what you're going to be proud of when you wake up tomorrow. That's right. And I think that's. You know, that's basically the bottom line is there is nothing that you that tangible that you can hang on to as far as your tomorrow is concerned. And we need to worry about the now we need and not worry about our past 
and not be concerned about, you know, what's going to happen as far as are we going to lose somebody else and live in that state where you probably came to that place where you were wondering if you were going to be able to cope with this again and then it happened again and that would be very, very difficult and that's part of grieving, isn't it? Yes, it's waiting for that constant shoe to drop. Right, exactly. I was waiting for the next shoe to drop. When is the next one going to drop? What's going to happen next? And and that puts I, you in a negative place. It does. And you have to learn to get out of that place. And, you know, it's only through a lot of time that I've been able to get out of that place now where I've I've now made a dis- I You know, I didn't even want to m- move ahead with my life on a personal level. And it's only now that I'm able to say, okay, you know, I've waited 40-something years on a level to to do things. And, you know, I now have, you know, a fiancé, and he actually lives in Louisiana. I'm about to move down there. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, but it's still, even with having that coming up, there's still so much surrounding that. You know, it's like, okay, you have to plan a wedding, but there's there's no mother, there's no father, there's no younger sister. So it's it's still there, but you have to allow yourself to be able to make that next step. And, you know, after finally, after some time, I've allowed myself to be able to say, okay, this is the next chapter of my life. And, you know, we're going to start a life together and and hopefully that chapter will bring us some joy. So you have to you have to be able to make steps forward. But you know, I I learned that it can't be on anybody else's timetable. I was not going to be on anybody else's. I couldn't I couldn't hold to the timetable that was that was given to me. Um I had to do it in my own time and space and I I had to be able to, you know, find the outlets that were myself and and forgive forgive myself that I'm not doing it the way everybody else wants me to do it. Uh, well, that's been... the bottom line, isn't it? Everybody grieves differently, and you can't yeah. beat yourself up. And you have to not only allow for yourself to grieve, but anybody that you might run into, you can also help them. Exactly. For the, in, the, in the exact same ways, because we all are different. There are no two people alike. No, there isn't. And, you know, it's... It, I found that you have to let go of expectations that people have of you also. That's good, um, yes. And because I had extreme expectations uh, put on me, uh, I left I left the safety of Brooklyn to move to New Jersey to be closer to my older sister because I thought we thought that was going to be the best thing for me to be there. And it, it's turned into not a good decision because expectations were that I would do things my sister's way now. And I couldn't, I couldn't do it. You know, my sister and I are 15 years apart and, you know, we just can't, I can't deal with the expectations that she needs from me and I need from her. So you're and, still in the learning process. Oh yeah. I don't it's think you ever stop learning. learning. Yes, exactly. I so, think when you stop learning is when, when you're gone, I think you learn something new every single day. I think you have to learn something and, you know, it's always my quest for, for learning, you know, it made me go into blogging and I take blogging classes and I take photography classes. And well, let's you know, talk about your website. Some of the, like, I know you mentioned it a little bit, but what are some of the products, you know, that you, um, like, what types of products do you have and what types of giveaways? And, oh, you know, we do, we do all types of, I do all, t- I work with all types of brands. I work, um, I work with Disney. I I work with Procter and Gamble. Uh, you know, I I work with all types of brands, and you know, from toys to clothes, 
Uh, I just worked with uh, French Toast, which is a, a uniform company that are bringing out stylish clothes for kids that are at reasonable prices. I work with Target. You know, I work with a lot of lot of people. And the, the good thing about my blog is that it spans across the country. And I have, you know, I have my blogger friends in Louisiana where my fiance is. And I bring stuff down. They read the blog and they're like, we want those products too. And I find that a lot of parents who, who don't want to ask questions about certain things will go on the blog and say, thank you for that information. I didn't know where to go to find that information. I recently did a whole uh, a whole um, segment, a piece on cold versus flu and what are the symptoms of a cold versus flu. And there's a checklist. And I put the checklist up there and a lot of parents said, thank you for the checklist. We put it on our refrigerator so that we can keep an eye on what the kids need, <laughs> what medication they need when they have this specific symptom. Because we're always running around to the doctor and trying to figure out what do they have. And this chart just helps us better come prepared when we go see our doctor. And, and, what, and what about giveaways? You said you had giveaways yes, we as do, well. we do giveaways for products. We do toy giveaways a lot during the holidays. I have a holiday gift guide, and we do giveaways all the time of toys and and wonderful other products. Um, I so have do a people just sign up? On your yeah, they okay. they go to, they go to the website. Uh, they read the blog, and there's a there's ways for you to enter. You follow me on Facebook or on Twitter, and you're entered into to the giveaway. All right. Well, that sounds good. Well, I really appreciate Denise what you shared today, and I think what I got out of it is that we can't tell someone else how to grieve. No. That everybody grieves differently. And I think that if we try to put, you know, people into categories or whatever, or you should get over it, or you should move on with your life, it actually, as people did that to you, didn't help you, but it hurt you. Yes. And it made it, it made it take longer. It, it made it slow down the process. And so I think that's a very important message that we all grieve differently we all go through life differently and we come out learning things that we can help others who may be going through the same thing as we did and so we don't always understand why we are going through this but we certainly and I'm sure you've heard this a million times if you've heard it once you certainly get stronger yes, and we wiser we finally figure out how resilient we actually can be exactly and um no, you're getting married when? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, I, we, we want to see pictures. <laughs> I'm still trying to sell my home in New Jersey. We're going okay. through the process right now. Okay. So since the home sells in New Jersey, that, you know, that'll okay. be the next step of things. Well, we're going to have on the show notes, of course, there'll be your website. And we're anxious to take a look. I'm sure all of us are to see what products you have available and how often do you do you update it like how is it like once a week once a month every day no 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 it's updated it's all it's updated weekly okay. I try to do it um I try to do it daily but sometimes that doesn't work but weekly at least there are four or five new posts up there okay perfect definitely and can, do you have some kind of search uh on there as well or is it is oh it yes just, okay just, perfect a, yep there's a search box there you can search for whatever you're looking for okay uh, lifestyle crafts if you're into crafting we have tons of crafting if you're into recipes we have tons of recipes on there also 
So, oh, that's you know, excellent the, to know. Anything else? The blog is basically about the the premise of the blog is to save people time, money, and energy by me doing all of the work for you. So <laughs> okay. If you want to save time learning how to make a, a, hol- a holiday wreath or how to decorate on a, on a budget, then you know my site will help you find those places that will help you on a budget. It's just all of, all of that stuff is included on there. Recipes on there. Uh, events that maybe are coming up in your area, uh, things for you to do with the kids. We're at, at right now in the middle, I'm in the middle of the spring preview and doing, uh, I will be doing blogs about what to do with the kids while they're out of school. Okay. Uh, from, from working in their garden to gardening tips on how to get them into gardening to how to get them out into sports and, and, you know, getting them just outside more. Well, that's all very good information. And I'm glad that uh, you shared that in particular, because there's so many people, I'm sure, that want to tap into these kind of resources. To save time, to save money, we all want to do that. Right. And to save energy and having to look things up. And but to yes, save we, energy. Okay. Yes, now, do you ever pe- take requests? Like if people are having trouble finding whatever? Oh, yes. Okay. I've gotten emails. My my contact information is on there. And if okay. people want information about something, and I've had that happen, uh, people have said, can you find out about this for me? And I've done the research. I'm very good at doing research. That goes back to my forensics days of having to dig through <laughs> miles and miles of paperwork I to bet. testify in court and be an arbitrator. You have to do research. And so, yeah, I've had people say, can you do research on this for me? Or how does this product really work? Or does it really do what it says it does? And I go to the manufacturer with my questions and, and they come back and they say, you try it, you know, and they'll send it to me. And I do a video of it and say, oh. Here's, here's, uh, I had a question proposed to me by a reader regarding if this detergent really does what it says. So let's try it out and then I'll do a video of it and post it on there. So we do, we, I try to do a a lot of things that people want to do, but we're focusing now on what to do with the summer and the kids and how to get them now involved to help. Well, Denise, that is going to be some incredibly useful information for all of us. And I really appreciate it. I glanced at your website. But I'm now going to go back and dig into it a little deeper and see some of the things that I know would probably interest not only me, but some of my friends, and then we can share it. So thank you. And I thank you for also sharing your story today. And you sound like a very busy lady. And good luck on the impending marriage It's and move and everything. But your website will stay intact and we'll be able to stay in contact with you there. And I thank you so much. Thank you. And goodbye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.